You're listening to the Business Shorts Podcast, where we interview successful small business owners in unique markets, all in under 30 minutes. If you want to start a small business and you're not sure what market to enter, or you're looking for actionable advice on how to improve your existing business, you're in the right place. For more information, show notes, and more, check out bshortspodcast.com. Today on the show, we have Noah Weeder with ATMDepot.com. Super excited to have him on. He has a good following. He's one of the, the top resources I've found on the internet about ATM machines. So, Noah, welcome to the show. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Sebastian. Uh, do you mind giving us a short overview about kind of your business and how you got to where you are? So, back in the day, I went to work for a credit card company. And after a couple of years there, I got recruited by a check guarantee company. And we got introduced to what was called script machines back then, which was an ATM machine where you could get a piece of paper out of it. So we put these little machines in bars and people would use their ATM cards and take this slip of paper to the bar and get cash in exchange for the paper. And it went on the ATM networks. The banks didn't like it back then because, you know, the banks were spending very big money, like $100,000 or more for an ATM machine. And they were getting what's called the interchange and the script machines were able to ride on that network. So the banks made big changes. And what happened was ATM networks changed to debit networks were created so that you didn't get an ATM network unless the machine dispensed cash. So I went to work for a company called National Bank Card. They recruited me as well and National Bank Card Association and ran their credit card division for a while. And then we bought a company that did the same thing. So eventually that led to me starting a company called Extra Cash ATM for National Bank Card Association. We got some venture funding from uh, JMI, which is John Moore's. Then we ended up selling the company after five years. We started with 14 employees. ATM division started with one, me. And we grew that company to 114 employees. And uh, we put in 5,000 ATM machines in about five years. I did all the uh, McDonald's in San Diego in the late 90s. And we did all the in and outs here. We did Bradley's department stores. We got a lot of big accounts. And we ended up selling the company to Canadian Imperial Bank of Commerce. And they ended up selling to E-Trade, who ended up selling to another company called Cartronics, where they are the publicly traded company in the ATM business. So then I ventured out on my own to try and reinvent the wheel because the internet was so big and I was becoming an internet marketer. And I looked at all the opportunities out there. People were doing affiliate programs and whatnot, but I really knew the ATM business. So I said, why can't I do internet marketing on the ATM side? And that's how I started ATM Depot. And instead of doing all the cold calling and feed on the street, we just developed a really good medium and platform for people to get all their information. And that's how we started. And then uh, about two years ago, I wrote a book and probably the best-selling ATM business book on Amazon right now. Okay. So my impression actually of an ATM business was is owning machines, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, and finding places that will rent the machines from you. Uh, It could be outside, who knows, convenience stores, supermarkets, things like that. How involved are you in the rental business of ATM machines? The rental market is, it's a pain in the neck. So we don't do as many rentals. We do some local events and local rentals. We're a nationwide company. So we do more of the training of what's called IADs, independent ATM deployers. So we have about 250 ATM deployers or 
we call them dealers or distributors, whatever you want. But most of our IADs own and operate their own ATM business. They have a route, much like a vending machine company would have a route, and they leverage the relationships they already have with local merchants. So if you got a guy that's got, you know, vending machines or gumball machines or water machines, whatever, red box machines and back in the day, but if they already had a relationship with a, a retail merchant and the retail merchant didn't want to own and operate their own ATM machine, then we would either do it ourselves if they were local or we would teach guys nationwide how to do that themselves. And, and that's what my book really does. And now we have the back office staff and we leverage economies of scale to be able to do that for them where they couldn't really do that on their own without back office support because you know there's a lot of paperwork involved, there's banking relationships involved. So we kind of handle all that and let our sales guys or our dealers or our IADs handle their local business and we kind of give them the back end support. So the rentals, not so much. It's more of either owning or operating it and making a deal with a location to put it in. Or if the location wants to own and operate it themselves, we help our local guys or we do that from our corporate office and we facilitate them being able to purchase a machine and then we help them successfully operate it and take all the burden of that operation or whatever piece they want off. So we'll do support, we'll do installation, training, we can do cash loading. So there's really three major pieces to the ATM business. There's who owns and who owns the the hardware, who owns the box, and then who's going to maintain the box, and then who's going to load the cash into the ATM. As far as moving the money around, we help, that's what we do. And getting the transactions, we have deals with all the networks and the processing centers and the banks. And so that's kind of how we help our dealers and our merchants. Okay. So would you say you load the cash? Your company is the one with armored vehicles that goes around and feeds machines? I mean, we do that for some locations. Yeah, we do cash replenishment. We have uh, deals with several different cash providers, different armored car companies throughout the country. We do cash management if it's necessary. We even have local guys that are operating their own ATMs. And then if we have one in a certain area and they want to load that, we can contract with them to load it. So that's that's really not a big issue anymore. Most people that own and operate them themselves, they load them themselves. It's like putting money in a cash register, but instead of having five denominations and all these coins, you have one denomination. You throw some $20 bills in the machine. What people don't seem to remember or know or realize is that the average withdrawal in an ATM used to be 60 bucks, but now it's about 80, but it really depends upon the venue and the situation, the area. Uh, the income level. So there's a few factors. I mean, we have some ATMs. We only load $10 bills and they might only do five to eight transactions in a day and people might take out between $10 and $30. So the way to be really successful in this business is find locations that don't use a lot of cash and have a high number of transactions but low withdrawals because then your cash requirements are pretty low. The average retail ATM has very little money in it. It might only have six or 800 bucks in it. The retailer would load the cash in it in the morning, like he does his cash register. And then he would take the cash out at night, just like he does the cash register or whatever's left. You know, if you think about it, and if he puts in, they might put in 40, $20 bills, that's 800 bucks. So if they put in 40, $20 bills and the average withdrawal in their area is, let's say it's 80 bucks, 
and their machine gets used on average, you know, five or maybe eight. I mean, if they're lucky, 10 times a day. All right. So at 10 times at $80, that would be the full $800. So maybe their machine might run out at the end of the night, or maybe they'll put a little extra money in it on a Friday or a Saturday night. So the money's not really a big, big deal. Yeah, so this is interesting. So it sounds like uh, people at home who are entrepreneurial and say this might be something I'm interested in, or I, you know, what you just described is ideal for my area, and there's a lot of locations like this, and they want to be a dealer. Maybe possibly sell us on why someone should be a dealer. Kind of walk us through how much they got to put in and what they could make. That kind sure. Of thing. Sure. I mean, that's one of the main reasons I got into this business is because it's a pretty low threshold to get started. You know, machines right now, anywhere is from about 22 to 2,500 bucks for a basic model. And then you need to get it installed. You can either install it yourself or you could have one of our technicians do it. It's like 350 bucks to have somebody come out and uh, install it and train the uh, user. So, you know, what new guys usually do is for their first one, they have one of our tech guys show up, train them how to use it, show them how they bolt it in, show them how to hook it all up. And then in the future, they do it themselves because we do it via phone as well for phone support. So so all in, you know, your first location might cost you three grand at the most. You know, you can probably get it a little cheaper if you're starting out with a less expensive machine because machines have various options. You know, they have a dial lock or an electronic lock. If you're going to go into the machine a lot, you probably want an electronic lock so you don't have to fumble with the tumblers like on the old school safes, right? Now you just have a digital lock. Some of the machines have a fixed cassette, meaning the money that goes into the machine, when you open the safe, you just stick the money in like a napkin holder. The cassette doesn't come out of the machine. So, that's a lot cheaper than a machine that had the cassette comes out. Some guys that are dealers like the cassette to come out because they'll go in the back room and load it. And if you're a dealer, you may go in there, you know, if you're close to the store, you might go in. If you don't have that much cash to start your business, you might go in every three or four days until it builds up. If the location's far away and you don't want to drive far, you're going to need to put a little bit more money in it because you don't want to go every three days. So, you know, some locations we go every five to seven days, some we go 10 days, some we go once a month. It just depends upon how far they are and how much cash they go through. And so after a while, you create a little route for yourself and you try and keep the locations, you know, maybe within a 10 or 20 mile radius. And you maybe pick a, an industry that you're familiar with, maybe restaurants or, or bars, but a lot of them have machines already. So you have to find locations that maybe aren't happy with their providers or, you know, providers like an IAD that maybe, maybe they're going through a family, you know, we have people that go through family crises, unfortunately, and sometimes machines get abandoned, somebody passed away, and then they don't know who to call. And then there's a machine sitting there. So, and then there's times that the machine's been in there for 15 years, and it just looks awful. And they talk to the merchant and merchant doesn't even know who to call anymore. So there's a lot of opportunity out there for dealers to either upgrade machines or take machines over. And so it's, you know, figure it's a $3,000 investment to get started. And then you're going to put maybe say $2,000 in cash in it, just so you don't have to go there every three or four days. So you're looking at maybe a $5,000 investment. And if you're going to charge the nationwide average is about three bucks a transaction. 
And right now, we also share what's called some of the back end, some of the interchange. It just depends upon the type of location and the dealer and the volume levels, how much we share. There's money that's paid by the networks to us. That's how we make most of our income. And then we share part of that back end money with our dealers so that they can compete and do better. And then the networks charge a small fee, but it's very minimal. So what happens is, let's just keep it simple. Let's say you're charging $3 a transaction and you have a machine that's, you know, it's not the best machine in the world. It's maybe doing, let's call it five transactions a day, right? So you think five people a day coming in to use your machine, you know, that's pretty easy. And and that's typical. That's about average. So if you have five people a day using a machine and you're charging three bucks to use it, let's just say they're making 15 bucks a day. And then there's 30 days in a month. So they're making $450 a month on a $3,000 investment in hardware. And that $2,000 in cash, that's either going to sit in your bank at 0.001% interest, right? I mean, banks aren't given anything these days. Mm -hmm. So you're basically making your money work for you instead of you working for your money, right? Now you're putting your money to work. So the $2,000 you have in the machine, I don't really consider that a, an investment because it's still liquid. It's either in the machine or in the bank. And if you need to use that cash for something, you can, but that'll just mean you might have to visit the machine more often to put cash in it. Right. So, you know, if the machine's doing five transactions a day and you're making three bucks a day, you're going to make the $450 a month. Now, granted, you may have to give a little of that to location, right? Some locations, they want something for that rent, basically. But the square footage of an ATM machine, it's maybe 20 inches by 20 inches. So let's call it a foot and a half square feet, two feet, two square feet. So you have to realize what merchants get for their square footage, right? So some guys might be happy getting 50 cents a transaction. Some guys might want more. And what we typically do is we tell them, look, we're not going to give you anything for the first 50 transactions because that pays for the maybe the communications, that pays for our trip down there, it pays for the trip for the cash a little bit. So anything after the first 50 transactions, we'll give you a buck or we'll give you 50 cents or we'll give you 50 cents from 50 to 150 and then a buck over 150. Is, we can that, do all those. Is that per transaction? Per transaction, sure. I wow. mean, we can pay people five levels deep. We do all their accounting. We send out all the checks. We send out all the statements. But, you know, even if you have to give a merchant, let's say out of that $450 a month, let's say you have to give them $150 for that space. You're still making $300 a month on a $3,000 investment. So the ROI is really only 10 months. Mm -hmm. Not bad. There's very few businesses where you can buy a piece of equipment, put it in a location, just stick some cash in it and let it go and visit it once a week and make $300 a month. So you're not paying a fixed cost on rent. You're paying mm -hmm. just kind of like a variable cost. And, right. And well, is that all you have to pay to the places that you locate the ATM? Yeah, it's on a case-by-case -case basis. Some okay. place, some locations don't want anything. I mean, we have some guys that put them in nail salons and barber shops because a lot of those places like to get their people paid in cash, especially if they're renting chairs True. and not employees and they want their people, the tips paid in cash. So they're happy to have the ATM machine and sometimes they don't want anything. They just, they're happy to have it there. And sometimes those nail salons or barber shops, they'll buy the machine and they'll charge zero. So then we just share the back end with the guy that put it in there. And those machines might do very well. And you don't have to do anything because the nail salon or the barbershop is going to put their cash in it. 
So on a situation where you're selling the machine and just kind of like the account rep, you know, you might only make 10 cents a transaction, but if the location's doing four or 500 transactions, you're going to make 40 or 50 bucks a month for a one-time sale and a relationship that could last five, 10 years. I have some locations 20 years now. Wow. What about other costs, uh, like for you and your company? Because I'm thinking about other parties, like we've already, we said as the owner, you'll have $450 just in your example that comes in through revenue each month, 150 of it might go to the location owner. How much of it goes to your company? None of it. None of it. The owner of that box keeps that whole surcharge because we get our money. That's called, there's two parts. There's a surcharge and then there's interchange. The interchange is paid by the banks. So let's say you bank at Wells Fargo and you use Citibank's ATM machine, right? So Citibank's going to charge you three bucks to use their ATM because you're not a Citibank customer. And then Wells Fargo sometimes charges their customers for not using a what's called an on us bank, right? That's Think of it as uh, if you go to uh, Wells Fargo and you're their customer and use their ATM machine, nobody gets charged anything, right? Because, you know, I always joke about it. I'm like, hey, that transaction's on us. You know, there's no cost. It's really called an on us transaction. So it's kind of a pun. But if you go to somebody else's machine, that bank is lending you their money. So it's just like my machine. If you use my machine and you're banking with somebody else, I'm lending you the money until your bank pays me back. Now, your bank has to go through the networks like Plus and Cirrus and Star and Maestro and any of your ATM networks, right? So those networks charge a fee to the bank and the bank has to pay it. But then they also pay part of that fee to what's called an acquirer, whoever acquired that transaction. So they basically send us a fee on a schedule based upon what kind of card that is. You know, when I started in the ATM business, there was just one. It was an ATM card. You know, now there's all kinds of different cards. You know, there's reward cards. There's all kinds of incentives. So the rates are all different. So there is no other fee charged other than I, that. So I got surcharge. you. Okay. It's a surcharge um, and the interchange, and then we share in the back end. All right. So uh, 10% a month. What's keeping people from doing this? I mean, what's kind of the drawback? I mean, if everybody knew about an opportunity for 10% a return on their money, they'd be jumping all over it. But there has to be some reason. It's either hard work or legwork or lazy or, <laughs> I mean, do you just kind of, can you spell yeah, it's out just some like, honest drawbacks? Yeah, sure. It's just like anything, you know, it's a four letter word. It's W O R K. Yeah. I mean, look, getting the location is the hardest part. Getting the money, you know, when I started in this business 25 years ago, it was a money issue, right? There was plenty of locations. It's all about relationships and making sure you service your customers. I can't tell you how many people we have in this business that sometimes they forget that's what it's about and then they don't service the machine as often as they should. They don't clean it. They don't keep it nice. They don't go and talk to their customer once a month. I mean, if you're making a few hundred dollars a month, you should keep that relationship active. You should keep your machine clean. You should do whatever you need to do to perpetuate the business. But a lot of people, you know, they get two, three, five machines and now they're loading, you know, $3,000, $2,000 in each machine. You know, if you think about it, you know, 10, 15, 20 machines is a really good living, right? We get guys sometimes, you know, they get three, four machines. They're putting in their $10,000 a month in their machines and, you know, they're making their 
$1,000 a month and they're doing it part-time because they got a regular full-time job and this is kind of a hobby. And then, you know, they have to either decide whether or not they want to do more or just keep these few machines or do they hire people or do they keep doing it themselves? Do you come home from your regular job at five o'clock at night and then go out and load machines once a week or however often? So, yeah, I mean, it, it's a commitment because once you buy the machine and you put it in a location, you're committed. And if you don't follow through, then the location's going to kick you out and then you got a machine in your garage. What would you say the biggest risks of the business are? I mean, I'd be concerned about theft and maybe damage, things like that. Can you talk about that? Sure. I've been doing this a long time. As a matter of fact, we just had our first machine blown up. Oh, wow. So I've been doing this almost 25, 30 years now, I guess, 27 years. So, you know, back in the day, you know, there's not much money in it. So criminals that don't understand, you know, they think every ATM has tens of thousands of dollars in them. But if they realized there was only a thousand or two thousand dollars in there and then they'd have to use a blowtorch or figure out how to get into the machine, it's really not worth it. We had an outdoor machine at a gas station and I just published a press release yesterday on it. And we'll be posting the actual high definition footage that the FBI and the ATF used to catch these guys. They're actually in federal prison downtown in San Diego right now. They drilled into our machine. They fed some kind of hose in there with some gasoline and then uh, they lit it and it exploded. Oh, geez. And, you know, the ATF and the FBI don't take that lightly. So especially when you break into ATM machines, it's not like they're going to forget about it. It's like bank robbers, right? If they track them down. Uh, if you want to be wanted by the FBI, try breaking into an ATM machine. So, you know, the theft is very minimal. I mean, I've got thousands of machines out there and this is the first time this has happened to me. It'll probably be the last because of, uh, you know, the guy's going to prison. Yeah. So the cons I would say are the machines are pretty bulletproof. They're like computers. So if there's a problem, it could be a paper jam. If the money that you get from your bank is torn a little bit or worn, it could cause a currency jam and then the money gets rejected or it gets jammed in the machine. And you may have to go down to the location. And, you know, so if you're in with nightclubs and bars that are open till two or four in the morning and their busiest time is midnight and you have bill jams and you're servicing your customer because you're doing it like a vending company and they're not doing it. Yeah, you may get a call at midnight to come down and fix your machine, make sure it's working because, you know, if the bar that doesn't take credit cards and only does cash and the machine's not working, they're out of business, you're going to get up out of bed and have to go fix that machine. Yeah. So what are some of the best spots for ATM machines? Uh, high traffic locations that prefer to be paid in cash. Locations that will offer coupons on the machine. You know, we have car washes that, uh, you know, they'll charge three bucks, but then they'll give two bucks or three bucks off a car wash, mm -hmm. you know, because the money that they make for the ATM isn't really the incentive. It's getting customers to spend the money they took out of the ATM in the store, which is a normal progression. I mean, when people take money out of an ATM in a retail store, they're typically going to spend it in there. What about from a time commitment perspective? How much, if someone were to buy, I don't know, one to five, if someone owned one to five and had these locations, would you classify that as a part-time type thing? Or at what point do you kind of switch over to, I own X gajillion ATMs and it's my full-time job? 
Sure. Well, that just depends upon how much somebody wants to make as a full-time job. You know, if somebody is happy making three grand a month and, you know, they've got between eight and 12 machines generating three grand a month, then they don't really need another job. But, you know, eight to 12 machines a month, you're maybe working four hours a week. So it just depends upon what you want to do with your life. The Tim Ferriss's book, Four Hour Work Week, you can really do that if that's what you want to do. But I don't know any entrepreneur that just wants to work four hours a week. Yeah. I'm sorry to go back. Just to, you said how many per hour? You said a 10 would be about four hours a week. So you could maybe say two, two and a half hours per machine, just kind of budget. Well, you know, it just depends upon how far the locations are from you. You know, I've got a machine within probably 10 minutes of my office. So it's 10 minutes there. It's 10 minutes to load the machine. It's 10 minutes back. So if I only did that one machine a week, it's a half an hour a week. You know, what we try and typically do is we have a couple of dozen machines locally. We have thousands across the U.S. that are operated by other IADs. So for us, we don't really have a schedule. We use alerts for when the machines are starting to get low. We have an online system that our dealers can use and they can set alerts to text them when the balances start to get low. So we don't wait for it to get to like 500 bucks. We might get a text alert when it's at 1,000 and then get another text alert when it's at 800. So when we start to see, and we know the pattern, right? We know how much is coming out because we look online and we see the real-time transactions and we run reports just like all of our dealers can do. You can get online, you can see what they're doing, and then you can kind of gauge that, okay, I'm going to need to go to these three locations by Wednesday. So you go to the bank, you get the cash you need, and then you take the time and you go to those three locations. And if your locations are a half an hour away from each other, that three locations, that's an hour and a half right there. But then you might spend 15 minutes loading the machine. But hey, if the owner's there, you may chat him up. Maybe he knows somebody else. Maybe he has other locations. Maybe he knows somebody that has another location. I can't tell you how many times that happens when you start showing your face at a retail location, you get friendly with the owner and he really likes the service you're providing. That's like networking. It leads sure. to other locations. So, you know, one breeds the next. And before you know it, you could have 10, 20 locations. We've got a lot of guys that get into the business part-time and their whole idea is, you know what, I just want to make an extra thousand dollars a month. So, you know, they may get four or five machines and they're happy as a clam. They go to their regular job. They may even have their kids go and load, you know, hey, go run to this machine and put these 50 20 bills in there so, i mean 50 20s you keep in your pocket so just so I, so I have a picture in my mind for someone starting out does this literally mean you might carry around ten thousand dollars cash in 20s in your car and you're driving around feeding your machines i mean is that the image of someone that could be starting yeah. Out? yeah yeah i don't keep it in my car i might just keep it in my pocket because literally 10 grand in 20s is five packages of 2000 if you go to your bank i mean it's small yeah Okay. It's just like a small stack of bills that you have in your – nobody suspects anything. You're not going to advertise on your car that you're going to load ATM right. machines. You're going to dress normally. You're going to go – if you're going into a bar, I mean we have cash loaders. They'll go into the bar. It might be one of their favorite bars anyway because that's how a lot of our dealers get the locations. You know, We always recommend patronize the location so that you're going to a place that you like to go anyway mm -hmm. so that it's not a chore. You know, we do a lot of breweries here because a lot of our sales guys like breweries. So they'll go into the brewery. They'll try the different beers. They'll chat with the bartender, the owner. They'll say, man, I love your place. You guys need an ATM machine. 
and they'll get chatting. And then within a few weeks, we'll put an ATM machine in there. And then, you know, they might frequent that bar once a week or once every couple of weeks. They'll, you know, chat the owner up, try the new beer that they have in there. They go into the back office, they load the machine, they put it back in. And a lot of locations will let our guys even load before or after hours. So they're not even open when they're loading the machine. Okay. And it probably doesn't so, even, I mean, somebody loading a machine, it takes a short amount of time and it probably doesn't even look like you're loading the machine. I mean, you just walk up to it, open it up, feed it and walk out. You know, it's it's not like you're showing yeah, up with a truck or anything like right. that. It's very quick. Most people that are in the bar, if it happens during business hours, which is very rare, we try and do it after hours or before hours, or the merchants even do it. The location owners do it sometimes. Sometimes we'll put a machine in and we'll say, all right, we'll put the machine in, but you got to put the cash in. And then we'll split the money with them and then we'll split the transactions with them. So there's all kinds of deals that can be made. It's really whatever works and whatever's a win-win. Awesome. Listen, we're going to have to start winding down here. So I do want to ask our big questions of the same questions that we ask everyone on the show. So I'll take sure. the first one. And that is, what's mm. one piece of advice you'd give listeners wanting to enter this market? Most important piece of advice. Most important piece of advice is this business is just like real estate. It's all location, location, location. Just make sure you got the right location. And that's one of the things we're here to help with. So, if, you know, because somebody always knows somebody that owns some kind of store. So don't pick the first store that you know somebody on or think, hey, this would be a, a spot. I know them already. Make sure that there's how many ATMs are around that location. Does that location take debit cards and credit cards? Would cash be preferred? I mean, we've had some places that stop taking credit cards once they see how well the ATM does. So you know, I would start with location, location, location. Right. What about uh, resources? Do you, is there your preferred resource that you would recommend for someone wanting to get into this market? My book. <laughs> of course. Well, yeah. Why don't you take a minute to kind of plug your book and tell us what we can find in it? Sure. Yeah. Well, you know what? I, I noticed that a lot of times when we're talking to people on the phone, we're repeating the same information. People want to know how to get into the business, what it's about. So I started telling people, look, I'm going to record my side of the conversation. And over time, and this is great for any advice for anybody that wants to write a book. If you find yourself repeating the same thing, just start recording it. And then I had somebody transcribe it. And then I took a year to kind of put it all together. And in the book, I really talk about my background a little bit, you know, how I got into the business and then what the business is about, how to acquire locations, how to acquire machines, the pitfalls. You know, I would say it's a great beginner book. I do mention my company in there probably a little too many times because I was putting resources and stuff back in there. And we try to explain everything and break it down into a simple business model. So yeah, uh, if you go on Amazon and you type in my name in the search box or you type in the name of the book, it's called The Amazing Money Machine. You'll see it. It's uh, The Kindle version is really inexpensive. I think the soft cover is probably priced really cheaply right now. It's about 200 pages. You know, I think it's a great place to start. Can you find everything I talk about online? Maybe. It might take you longer to find everything I talk about online than it would take you to read the book. But uh, I tried to really make it so that anybody that's interested in the business would have a tool to refer to for a starting point. Perfect. Okay. Well, well that's all been very great. Also, atmdepot.com is your website. I mean, yep. If anyone wants to get a hold of you, they can get a hold of you there. 
And, yep, and uh, that we actually have a free PDF online uh, that people can download uh, if they want to just kind of get a – I took the book and I kind of whittled it down to just like 17 pages of like an overview, some fine points. If you're not sure of what you want, you can download the PDF and then uh, you know you get on our mailing list and we'll send you some info and you can start from there. Okay, perfect. Well, hey, we really appreciate you coming on. Sure. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. All right. Solid interview with Noah. Seabass, hit me with your thoughts. So this sounds a lot like vending machines. It involves having an asset that you have to service constantly and you can scale this asset and it can become a nice little side business. I think, unfortunately, to me, there's some risk associated that we don't know about yet. These vending machines are located in, in a lot of different types of places and it's really just a box full of cash that might attract more attention than a vending machine, for example. What about you, Henry? I agree. It's a lot like vending machines, except you have one product. And if I remember correctly, the rate of return opportunity is, is a lot higher per month. Uh, even if it's half of his example, 5% a month is incredible. Some of the cons is uh, there's something uneasy that I have about the maintenance and the risk around it. There just has to be something. In addition, I'm not really sure how much you could outsource or how much you'd have to trust to outsource some of these activities with that much cash. So uh, there are some limiting factors, but overall, still a good opportunity if you're in the yeah, great points. Be sure to check Noah out and learn more information about ATMs. You're listening to the Business Shorts Podcast, where we interview successful small business owners in unique markets, all in under 30 minutes. If you want to start a small business and you're not sure what market to enter, or you're looking for actionable advice on how to improve your existing business, you're in the right place. For more information, show notes, and more, check out bshortspodcast.com.